0: Welcome to TA One. Everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. Quiet. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, with the legendary Jimmy Lee. I had to change bird because Stevie Stevie would squeal and it would sound like feedback, and the recording would stop. So we got the big bird. Anyway, this is the last of our not. Specifically, adventure race episodes. Um, it's if uh you, if you're a tech geek, you'll probably like this one, or a bike racer, or if you've ever swore at the guy that made your power meter, you'll enjoy this one. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to, we'll get some more adventure racers. So, um, any of you out there that are Eco Racers or Noel Eco Racers, if I haven't talked to you, and uh, get a hold of me because I'm sure everybody will want to know more about the race. So, uh, yeah, we should have you on and we'll talk. So, would appreciate that. And for all of those of you that are getting ready for the big weekend, good luck. Um, I will actually be working and taking pictures. Yay! So it's gonna take me a while to watch, but I'll catch up with you, don't worry. Anyway, um that's it. Let's get it done, so to speak. So go fast, take chances. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I heard something. Hello. Hi Jim, how are I'm you? Good. How are you doing? Um, not bad. It's a nice day out, not too too hot, but yeah. you you know that. I don't have to describe the weather to you. Exactly. <laughs> We're close enough. So, um, okay, first, before anything, I got to say congratulations because 260 podcasts, you were the first person that asked me about audio quality. Oh, good. <laughs>
1: Technical person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you, and, we, and we probably will get into that a little bit later, but um, uh, so who are you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I'm Jim Meyer, and I'm a native of Spearfish, South Dakota, and I've been riding and racing bikes for as long as I can remember, and I like to build
0: things. Wow. You've you've, uh, described yourself before, haven't you? Yeah, a few times. um, How did did you become, how did you get into bikes? Because let's face it, Spearfish, especially a while ago, wasn't that big of a hotbed of cycling
1: no but uh yeah i think you know just from the time i was a little kid you know just grew up on bikes riding around the neighborhood of course you know small town south dakota so you can ride wherever you go and i actually in fact remember the very first time that i pedaled the bike without the training wheels on it and, and uh yeah just enjoyed biking ever since and always look forward to every birthday when I uh, maybe or maybe wouldn't get a new bike and then got, you know, lawn mowing jobs and, and was always saving for bicycles. And so, uh, you know, as I kind of grew up and started doing other things, I I ended up gravitating back to bikes. Uh, you know, and it's just kind of that perfect combination of being able to build things and go outside and, and move your body at the same time. And, uh, I, in, in some ways I just kind of never grew up or never grew out of it. And that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, um, yeah. What if you if you enjoy what you do and you never work? Yeah. So did you did you ever have a point where it kind of faded into the background, or was it always you know right there cycling? Um,
1: yeah, actually there there was a uh, a period where I wasn't riding bikes too much, and that was in in college, uh, and uh, just got busy with with other things, and, and at the time it was actually solar car racing or solar solar car construction, um, and, uh, and then the, the races. And so uh, in college, I you know, classes were one thing, but the solar car team was, was another. Uh, and uh, we just worked on two cars uh, getting ready for, for two different races. At the time it was Sun Race, and so we, the first race we raced from Indianapolis to Colorado Springs. And then uh, two years later, we raced from uh, Washington, D.C. to Orlando. Uh, and so those are multi-stage stage races in the, the car that each university team designs, builds, and, and races. Uh, and so while I was doing that, I actually wasn't riding bikes very much. Uh, but it wasn't long after that that the, the bicycles came back pretty quickly.
0: So um, what was the percentage of real college work versus uh, solar car work that you did? Oh, I, I'm
1: I'm sure it was over half of my you know college work was actually solar car, um, for sure by hours, uh, you know and uh, you know I ended up uh, doing a I studied a little bit of physics a little bit of mechanical engineering but I ended up leaving with a degree in math uh, it it kind of worked out and then I went on and did a mechanical engineering uh, degree for for my master's program uh, and so I've always been. I was never real locked into a particular career path. Uh, it was always just studying what was interesting and fun and doing what was interesting and fun. And, you know, I always kind of knew that I was fairly constructive with my time, so I wasn't ever real worried about what I was going to do uh, and just uh, kind of attack the projects and problems that were in front of me.
0: Do you think what what's what has served you and it better in, you know, rest of your life, what you learned building a car or what you learned in the classroom?
1: Oh, for sure. The, the project, the real world stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, and of course that's me. Uh, you know, I, I like the practical, I like the hands-on and, you know, any sort of class that I did, if there was homework, you know, homework, it's boo tests were okay. And class projects were fun. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I, am always much more applied uh, and uh, I like kind of doing the unknown, the things with, without uh, direct answers. Uh, you know, I think that I got a lot out of the classes. I, I actually, there, there, there's, you know, learning is fun, so, so the classes aren't, aren't uh, too much of a pain, but when I get, uh, uh, you know, a, a homework assignment or something repetitive or go demonstrate that you can do this thing that we exactly taught you how to do, that, that's where I start to lose, lose interest. Um, but when it requires some creativity and, and some different problem solving, uh, that's, that's where I enjoy it the most.
0: Yeah. Did you, did you have the typical, did, were you taking things apart as a kid and trying for to sure. put them back together?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was the Lego kid and, you know, um, you you, 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 joke about the, the Christmas where it's like, you know, some, for some people a, a Christmas where assembly is required is a bad thing. And, you know, for me, like, you know, getting a, any sort of present or gift or thing, the you know, the, the joy in it is, is the project. So if assembly is required or disassembly is required, that, that's what makes it fun. Um, and I certainly, you know, grew up taking, a, you know, having a bicycle and taking it all apart down to every last bearing and then not being able to quite put it all back together again. Uh, and that's, of course, you know how I how I learned and understood bicycles and the way they're made and and what they are just by pure hands-on.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, we'll we'll talk about bicycling, but I we got to We we got to talk about the mechanical stuff because sure. it fascinates me. But we'll we'll do some bicycling for a while to keep yeah. the bicycling people. So, what did when you got you know started riding again? I mean, were you racing? Were you touring? What
1: was your doing? It was triathlon. So I I swam in high school. That was my main sport. And then I was always, you know, riding the bike in the summer and and in between. Um, But, uh, you know, my high school sport was swimming. Uh, And so then when I got out of grad school, uh, you know, I had the swimming. I had been cycling. And so I wanted to do, you know, more cycling. And I was never a real good runner. Uh, but I just dove into running, you know, when I was about, I guess, you know, 21, 22. Uh, and, uh, and then spent, uh, from about 2002 through, uh, 2007 really pursuing the triathlon heavy. Uh, and, uh, that was, that was the main thing. I, and then I kind of worked myself up from Olympic to half Ironman to, to full Ironman. Uh, I did the best at the Olympic and the half. Uh, on the full Ironman. the running was always a little too much running for me. Uh, and I could never really put together a good race on the full Ironman.
0: So, um, but, and I know you raced a lot. How good were you?
1: <laughs> yeah. sometimes,
0: I, sometimes I feel funny asking people to tell me how good they were, but how good were right.
1: you? Right. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I had a few races. Uh, so I was, my best performance year I was in Australia. Uh so that was two thousand six. Uh and I did a few races where I, you know I could keep up with some people who later went on uh you know to uh to race uh professional ironman at the highest levels. And I could keep up on the kind of through the swim in the bike, uh and then would they would completely disappear from me on the run. Um so uh you know, I was always, you know, to, to put it in perspective, you know, in an Olympic triathlon. I was a minute per mile too slow on the run, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but the swim and the bike were were okay. Um, bike for sure. Swim I was maybe a little off the pace, um, but but not bad. But then when you get off the bike, an Olympic triathlon, and you run a thirty-six minute ten k, and everyone else runs a thirty minute ten k, like that, yeah. it's a big gap. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And and most people are not going to gain those six minutes. Ever,
1: ever, yeah, and, and especially because I during my triathlon career I was really working at the running, um, and you know I, I wasn't, you know I was happy to get from a forty or forty-two minute ten k down to a thirty-six minute ten k, uh, and it was pretty much unfathomable to get that 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 next twenty percent uh, mm-hmm. faster, um, yeah. and that's kind of the way it goes.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a certain amount. So when you were training, I mean. So your background was swimming. So, I mean, did did you do the mistake of you know training in what you're good at, or did you really work on the things that you you needed?
1: I I really worked on the things that I needed, um, particularly because swimming. I I, I never ended up being as good as a swimmer as what I was in high school. (laughs) You know, it never came all the way back there. Um, And uh, what I found is that for the most part, uh, at least racing in the United States. I could swim pretty minimally, uh, and uh, and usually swim at the front or even off the front of most swimming groups in the U.S. Uh, and I'll, I will never forget that first race that I did in Australia. Uh, it was a little short thing, 400 meter swim, and I full on got dropped by the pack. Uh, and it was like, oh, this is this is how the Aussies swim. Um, and uh, that was that was that was an education. It took me. Took me a number of months there to kind of get the knack of of, of swimming with that crew and and uh, kind of the you know what it takes to keep up with them.
0: Yeah, there's a you know it, since this is really an AR you know heavy podcast, there's a lot of uh, of of Aussies and Kiwis listen to it and yeah yeah I, I hate them all. <laughs> yeah. They're all just well, good.
1: <laughs> they're all just good and and, it, and and also just the the culture of it. You know, I remember treading water in that first swim. And kind of treading at the front, and then when the the you know the ref or whatever started to put the missile whistle towards his mouth, and everyone like started kind of kicking and pushing and shoving in a little bit, I was like, well, "Geez, guys, what's going on?" And then they all went. They were full on swimming when the whistle blew. Uh-huh. I was like, "Okay, this is how this works. Like, you got to be <laughs> three steps more assertive about this stuff." Um, and uh, yeah, but it, but it's fun. Yeah. Rubbing is racing.
0: Yeah, there you go. Did you did you go to Australia specifically to get better?
1: Uh, so two two reasons. Uh, one, it was a you know a chance to go live overseas, and uh, the Australian triathlon scene was was fun and uh, and and competitive, and that was going to be educational. Um, but also, uh, my wife at the time was uh, doing an MBA program, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she found a, the program in Australia. So so we lived in Brisbane for a year uh, mm-hmm. while she did that
0: yeah yeah so so you made that big sacrifice to go to australia A big
1: sacrifice absolutely
0: <laughs> yeah so so i mean how long did you do triathlon and and you know what why did you i don't i don't want to say give up but yep move on yeah, to it, other things it really
1: uh it was during that year and uh doing triathlon that uh I, uh, you know, I I moved over to Australia. Of course, you know, I my wife had the the MBA program to work on. Uh, I was a little unclear what was I was going to do, um, and so I started looking for bike shop jobs and this and that and other things. Um, and uh, that's when uh, the Quark Power Meter uh, idea came to me. And so, you know, I was uh, six or eight weeks into the into the Australian adventure uh, when when. The, the power meter uh, opportunity kind of became apparent, and I, I started spending some, some time uh, working on that. And so after the 2006, uh, we moved back to the United States, uh, and I, I started working on Quark full-time. Uh, and when I started into that, that was really you know, kind of a very similar experience to the solar car, where it kind of took over my life. Uh, and I think there's was, there was a couple summers there, um, where I wasn't riding every day, even in the summer, uh, which is now is, feels very foreign to me because I have the the you know the ability to to go ride uh, regularly. Uh, but at the time, it was it was full on you know doing a startup business, uh, and so that's when the the triathlon kind of fell away. Uh, and then uh, when uh, the Quark business kind of settled out a little more. I, I I mainly kind of came back to a little bit did a little bit of try, uh but then did some road racing and then uh, and then more and more mountain biking. Yeah. So
0: um I'm I'm detecting a pattern here. Do uh, you find something and go all in.
1: Yeah, I definitely <laughs> only have two speeds. It's you know, hundred percent and stop. Um and you know, and that, that's that's absolutely the way I operate. I'm uh, kind of one of definitely a classic type A obsessive personality. Um, get okay. something on my mind, and it's, it's that's that's what it is until some the next thing is here.
0: Yeah. Do you have to um, when you get something like that? Do you have to complete it, or can you like be that focused on everything, and, and then like say, oh no, I need to take a break for a little bit.
1: Um, I definitely am a, you know, I'm a part of it's through training and endurance sport. Um, you know, breaks are good. Uh, and especially if you go too hard for too long, you know, just like training, the effectiveness starts to fall off. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the, the same thing for work, you know, the rest is when the ideas come, when you recuperate, but you know, you recharge, uh, and can do it again. So, I've always, you know, I'm pretty intense. I kind of like to do one thing um, and focus on it. But while I'm doing it, it, you kind of take the athlete mentality to it of, of, of you know, breaking up the work and the rest and, and trying to put together a sustainable program with it.
0: Yeah. Did, were you always like that or did you learn to do that like maybe the hard way? Um,
1: no, I think I was kind of always like that. Uh, at some point I get tired and I stop. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but then, you know, I wake up the next morning with that on my mind again. So,
0: so, uh, the quark, the power meter, how did, how do you come up with that idea?
1: So through my, you know, uh, college and, and solar car experience and all of that, you know, I ended up with, you know, this math background combined with mechanical engineering And I had had, you know, some – I had been in close proximity to electronics uh, and then had done a little bit of my own uh, software development. I'm not a real software developer, but I've pretended to be at different times. Um, And so the whole technology space in and around power meters were all pretty familiar to me. Uh, I certainly learned a lot more electronics through the power meter uh, experience. Um, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a, 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 a hard or, or a, you know, a, a real steep learning curve for me. I was able to, to figure that out pretty quickly. Um, and then of course the business development and the entrepreneurship, uh, one, the solar car was familiar, uh, cause that, that team operated, you know, had to do your own finance, your own organization, your own project planning, and then, you know, to complete with the, uh, you know, in the race on race day, um, but then I had also, you know, had the the benefit of, of growing up. My dad had started a company, uh, and so I had watched that happen uh, from the time I was uh, young, uh, and I worked with him for a number of years as well. Uh, so it was a pretty natural thing. Once I realized uh, at the time, you know, it was 2006, so the only power meters on the market were PowerTap and SRM and then recently Ergamo, um, but it was pretty easy to see the market opportunity in between PowerTap and SRM. Uh, and then the whole idea of starting a business to go do it um, was not a stretch. I, I, in some ways, I had always kind of figured that, not known, but I had kind of anticipated that when the right business idea came along, that that's really what I'd want to do. Um, and the power meter thing, you know, it, it, I, I pondered it for a couple days, and then it clicked. It was like, you know, this, this is it. This is what I should go work on.
0: Is is that um, not the secret, but is that the secret is the ability to see those opportunities?
1: Yeah, I think that it's, it's a combination. One is being able to see the opportunity, which of anything that, that, you know, I, I kind of have the, the luck or the kind of innate ability for, it's probably that, um, is to be able to just kind of anticipate how, you know, in my language today, the user needs, but, like, what's the problem and what's the technical solution and how do you match that up? And if you can see how that's, you know, not being met by current products and how you can do it better, like, that's that's the core of the business. Um, and then everything else is the knowledge and know-how and uh, to be able to uh, put everything together to make it happen. Uh, and, of course, there, uh, you know, it's not so much that you have to be super good at something; it's that you have to be passably good or basically average at everything, and you need to excel at a couple things. But like, if you fail at finance, you're broke, you're you're bankrupt, right? And if you fail at at, at human resources, you don't have employees. And if you fail at customer service, everyone hates you and doesn't buy your product. So like, you know, the game is to not fail at anything. Um, you know, you got to get at least C's everywhere. Uh, in in every aspect of your business and then there's a few parts of your business where you you actually really need to get an A or an A plus Uh, and then of course the the timing and luck is a big part of it as well
0: yeah well I think you make your own luck but um, you know you talk to a lot of adventure racers and you just describe them they're pretty good at a lot of things and one or two things they they will really excel at so yeah Yeah. (laughs) do you Ever feel guilty how hard you make people work now when they're training? No, not a <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and, and we'll probably get back to this because I go all over, but so you're in Spearfish, so you start mountain biking. Was was that a big, uh, I mean, how was how your learning curve for mountain biking?
1: It, it, there was definitely a learning curve, especially when you come, so, well, I had always I'd grown up mountain biking, so the the idea of riding the you know around on rough stuff that was that was not foreign. Um, but certainly to get to the racing, it took me a season to really kind of adapt to that. I remember the first number of mountain bike races, and it was you know kind of as mountain biking was growing in popularity around you know 2008 2009 uh, at least or, you know in my world, uh, and I had it was so used to triathlon where you're going out and you're, you're picking, you know, your target wattage or your, whatever your race pace is. Uh, and it's, you know, a smooth road, you're in the aero bars, you get that, that pace and, and you get that turnover going and you just sit there and you crank that for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course mountain biking isn't like that. You know, every once in a while you get a, like a smooth gravel road and you get to kind of find a pace and set in and, and do that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you're always getting interrupted by rocks and roots and bumps and all that. And you need, you know, it's, it's far more dynamic and everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it took me a while to just flat out enjoy it. Uh, and then, um, I don't, you know, somewhere in there the transition happened, uh, and mountain biking really became my favorite and I've, I've actually enjoyed mountain bike racing more than, uh, more than I ever did triathlon. Uh, and in some ways it's, you know, you 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 have the multi-discipline part of triathlon uh, in mountain biking with you know the the climbing and the handling and then the the descending uh, along with you know in a longer race you've got the nutrition and pacing element as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I do. You look at your races very you know, beforehand, very, uh, analytical like that, or, I mean, do you have a plan every time or do you just go out and wing it?
1: Um, you know, I, every race, you know, it always throws stuff out to you. So you've got to be adaptable mm-hmm. of course. And that, that especially with mountain biking and, and the longer mountain biking, but for the most part, uh, yeah, I like, I, I like to look at the course and, 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 You know, go through and kind of figure out what the flow of it is going to be. Um, you know, particularly like what are the long climbs? How long are they? Uh, you know, how much recovery do you have between them? Uh, And that's a general sense, but that that kind of lets you lets you figure out the pacing and how the flow of the race is going to go. Um, and then of course uh, getting a little recon about uh, if you can ride the course, it's better. But uh, you know, just understand, you know, the descents are they technical or are they fire road or are they faster? Uh, and then of course the start of every race is always important. You know, what how's it going to roll out? When does it funnel down to the single track? How important is trail position or not? Um, you know, so there's some of those common elements that you look for. Um, but I'm not one to like really get too wrapped up about, uh, you know, setting, you know, hard target times for things and, you know, target wattages for everything. Like, and you kind of need to generally know the, you know, what the course is and what the effort's going to be. Uh, and then you got to go out and let it happen.
0: Go for it! Yeah. So, um, were you an Xterra guy? Uh, I did a couple of Xterra races. Uh, really
1: enjoyed it. Uh, I could have got into that more and more. Uh, and I certainly liked the the you know the trail running uh, aspect of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, but uh, I, I, I did the Keystone Xterra and the and then the you know the local Xterra there in Creek Xterra. Um, and i uh, really enjoyed those but never never got too deep into it
0: yeah the iron creek Xterra of my biggest downfall ever oh yeah <laughs> i i used to you know i i was the swimming was okay and I, the year i did that and got in there in that cold water and the weeds and stuff it 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 did a number on my head yeah and I'm like, you know what I don't like this so much, I guess I won't do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um okay trans south dakota how did how did you get from mountain bike racer to well, you know this seven hundred plus mile race across South Dakota sounds like a good idea
1: sure so yeah my my high point of my mountain biking career was was probably two thousand fourteen uh, was, was when I was racing the fastest and going the fastest. Uh, and then I got a little bit busy with some work projects and, and had, wasn't training quite as much through 2015, 2016. Uh, and then I really came back and tried to hit it hard in 2017, uh, and that was the, you know, the year I turned 40. Uh, and I found out something was missing. <laughs> like there was a gear, a speed, a recovery, a something that wasn't quite the same. Uh, and I, I kind of struggled with that a little bit then. Uh, and uh, you know, now I'm you know, 42. I'll turn 43 you know later this month, um, which isn't old, um, but I'm not 36 anymore, and I'm not you know 28 anymore. <laughs> uh, and so I, you know, I, I can feel the the top end, and you know, some of the the young pups that I always be we used to be able to, to 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 run, you know, roll past pretty pretty easily. Um, they're way up the trail for me now. Uh, and so last year uh, in September, uh, you know, my, my friend Jason Thorman is the race organizer and the route creator for the Black Hills Expedition. Uh, and I had always kind of looked at that, wasn't really into it. But then after a few years of kind of getting beat by the young kids on the, on the, quote, short races like the Dakota 5.0, uh, 50-mile mountain bike race, uh, it worked out to do the, the Black Hills Expedition. And so that was 465 miles, you know, all pure mountain biking. Uh, you know, in and around the Black Hills. Uh, and I did that and that, that, that went pretty well. That was definitely suited well to, towards me. Of course, I knew a lot of the course. Um, but I had never done a, a multi-day, you know, big long effort like that. You know, I'd done some other 12 hour races like Dirty Conza and and, uh, you know, other long things, but, but he never put together multiple days. Um, so the Black Hills expedition was my introduction to bikepacking. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I got done with that one, it's a big long week. Mm -hmm. I, it it all goes through in a blur and, uh, you know, had some, a lot of challenge and some halfway emotional moments, but not all the way emotional. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, when I got done with it, I, I knew that I wanted to do another one, but I wasn't sure that I exactly wanted to do the, the Black Hills expedition. Uh, and so that's when, uh, you know, shortly after, you know, in October or, or something, uh, I started looking around and thought, okay, trans South Dakota, that's what I want to do next year. Um, and so I'd kind of decided then, uh, that that was the plan. And then of course, uh, the COVID situation hit, and I wasn't exactly sure what was going to happen with other races, uh, including Trans-South Dakota, but, of course, uh, we ended up help holding, you know, having the race. Uh, and that's that's how I kind of made the transition.
0: So, uh, the, yeah, the typical story, you get older, so you go farther. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, Trans-South Dakota... How long did it take you? Because I can't even, I don't even want to fathom.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, three days, uh, five hours, and 53 minutes, I think was the official time, if I yeah. remember correctly, yeah.
0: And, and what was the official mileage this year?
1: Uh, 711
0: miles. Okay, all right, there, <laughs> there you go, folks. Now now we're going to find out how you uh, ride 700 miles in three days. So, yeah. what? What before you started? What was your goal? So, you know, like anything
1: long like that, you kind of set a couple couple goals, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know the the first goal was to to make it to the finish line. That's that's yeah. kind of the baseline. Um, but then uh, the previous record was uh, four days and fifteen hours, um, roughly, yeah. and that seemed pretty doable. It was like you know uh, you know just me knowing the territory and all that and like that seemed like I should be able to do it uh, and then when you run the math it's like yeah I, I think you should be able to be under four days uh, and of course I haven't seen the whole course yeah. you don't really know what you're gonna run into and then of course weather is a huge variable um, so so those were the kind of the ABC was like under four days, under four days, fifteen hours, and then make it to the finish line. Those those were were the kind of the anchor points. So,
0: did you um, think it was going to be easy once you got out of the Black Hills? Because <laughs> if, um, kind of, if you kind of look at the course, and you know, you're like, oh, well, you get that first 150 miles or 200 miles, it's like, <laughs> boom,
1: yeah. <laughs> and it's, I, and, and it's not. And the answer is <laughs> it, the answer is yes, but. <laughs> i you know and I wouldn't I'd say easier i I figured the average speed would be higher yeah um but then of course you've got you know and roller hills I'm happy with those that's that's fine um but if you get wet roads and and a you know on a soft poor surface um that's that's gonna slow you down a lot and if you get you know out uh, you know heading straight into a headwind for for eight or twelve hours during the day um that would be another one. Uh, and then of course you've got the the heat. The heat I wasn't scared of at all. Uh, you know I've done a few really hot triathlons, so you know for me the like, the heat is a water issue, not a comfort issue. Um, so that wasn't wasn't part of my concern. But it was really about getting caught in the, the cold and the rain, or a slow road surface, or a big headwind. Those were the things that I was. But so you know I knew I figured we would be moving faster once we're out of the Black Hills. But I, I knew enough, if 42 years old, I've been racing bikes for 30-some years. Like, you, you kind of know not to, to underestimate things, you
0: know. Yeah. Well, in a, let me guess. The weather was must have been fairly good for you, at least.
1: Uh, I would score it as excellent weather. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and also, I got very lucky because uh, some of the other uh, uh, athletes, you know, the other competitors – uh, they got caught in some rain coming out of pier, between pier and Wessington Springs, uh, and I, I had left there about, you know, six hours ahead of them, uh, and so I was able to stay ahead of the storm that was actually forming behind me, uh, and I thought it was going to catch up to me from behind, even though I was riding into a headwind. I'm not a meteorologist, but I'm not exactly sure how that works, <laughs> uh, but I was watching it, uh, and it never materialized on me, so I got a couple sprinkles, a couple times, but I was basically on dry roads. Uh, well, I was the the roads were dry, uh, you know, uh, you know, all the way across the state. So, yeah.
0: um, what did you ride?
1: So I rode a,
0: a rigid uh,
1: Niner uh, mountain bike. Uh, so it's an Air Nine RDO with a rigid fork. Um, I ended up picking the mountain bike uh, you know, so that I could run a, a wide mountain bike type tire. Uh, you know, it, it was a gravel, gravel tire, the Teravail spar wood for the, for the, you know, the bike gear nerds out there. Yeah. Um, but it's basically a 2.2 inch gravel tire. Uh, and then I, I did that with a flat bar. Uh, and even though there was no front suspension, uh, I knew I'd be very comfortable on that bike on the, on the single track and through the black hills and everything. Uh, and then I put a, uh, an arrow bar on. Uh, so that uh, you know because once I knew I was on the other side of the state, I'd want to get into that aero position. Uh, and so it was a fairly conservative aero position because I knew that I'd be in it for you know many many hours. Uh, but it was it's kind of a funny bike setup because you're either kind of in a flat bar mountain bike setup uh, or you're in a almost like a relaxed triathlon setup. Uh, and uh, that was the bike and I was very happy with that selection, particularly the tire choice. Um, there got to be some softer gravel roads on the Eastern side of the state. And uh, I was able to go down to a little lower pressure uh, and that really helped uh, to have the, the wider, the wider tire uh, and stay you know, on top of the rocks instead of cutting through them.
0: Did you like, I mean, did you look at taking a gravel bike and you know, the trade off of the, of the single track in the Hills, but the.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, Went exactly back and forth on that. I've got a, had a gravel bike and I, and I looked at taking that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, ended up deciding to go for the, the wider tire. Uh, and then the, the flat bar position with the, with the arrow bar. Uh, and I think, I think that was the right choice. I definitely would do, I definitely would do the tire again. Uh, I could see doing a, a drop bar bike like a salsa cutthroat or something, um, with a wider drop bar. Uh, but, I, I don't think I was missing anything uh with, with, with what I picked and um, yeah, pretty, pretty happy with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, how often would you have been in the drops, right? You're either, you're it, either on the hoods or in your, 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 arrow.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly it. And, and as a matter of fact, there's only a couple times where it's was like, Oh, I wish I had the drops when you're kind of in a, there's a few places where you actually turn <laughs> and you're turning, going downhill. And then it's like, you know the flat bar and the and the arrow bars, neither one is real great, yeah. but that's like I mean it's you know five minutes total in three days yeah. <laughs> where you're wish, where you wish you had that other position. So
0: yeah. So what about gear? I mean, what was what was your plan yeah. on you know your your sleep schedule?
1: Yeah. What? So I I carried too much gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was probably six six pounds heavy uh as far as all of my um you know gear and clothing and everything. I ended up duplicating my my kit from uh, uh the expedition which is a September race uh in the Black Hills where you know you could wake up with snow um or you know deep frost um and you know July in the middle of the state like I you know when I looked at the uh, uh the weather forecast I could have you know trimmed down my kit quite a bit. Um, but basically, I, I had a you know a bivy with a little tent pole in it, so it's a screen screen face bivy. So I didn't you know have a, a, a tent, but it wasn't uh, you know full emergency bivy. Um, you know, and a little uh, uh, you know air mattress uh, and uh, and a lightweight sleeping bag. Um, all that was pretty well overkill. Um, and then uh, you know I had uh, you know a couple changes of clothes, and certainly if I would have put all my gear on at once, I would have been smoking hot. Uh, and that's why I could have really kind of thinned that out quite a bit. Um, but my plan was, you know, starting out, you know, you, you start in Beulah, Wyoming. The first part of the race is all through the Black Hills. I was pretty darn sure I'd get to Hermosa and, and then out uh, from Hermosa somewhere into the uh, east of the Black Hills and, and entering the Badlands. Um, Hermosa is at mile 130, uh, and then Wall is at mile 217, um, and 217 seemed like too far to reach, uh, in day one. Uh, so I was expecting to sleep somewhere out there in the middle, uh, and kind of figured I'd wing it. I looked on Google maps for a few places where there might be trees. Um, there was some, uh, a camping area in the badlands. Um, I wasn't really sure that I wanted to do that because once you, you know, cross the, the, the cattle guard into the badlands, you basically have to get to that camping area. Otherwise you're camping with the Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I uh, I wasn't so sure I wanted to make that commitment. Um, and so I, uh, you know, rode uh, through the, through the Black Hills, through Hill City, uh, Mount Rushmore, and then was, uh, heading up Iron Mountain Road and down, uh, and, uh, heading towards Hermosa, starting to kind of make my game plan of, of what I wanted to do for, for refueling. And I, and I realized that I was coming out for those who are familiar with it, like that pizza shop that, I had ridden to before and it wasn't exactly by the, the gas station that I thought we were gonna come by. And I thought, huh, how'd that happen? And I went and looked at my Garmin, and I realized that I had been on autopilot and I was off course. Yeah. Um and so I had ridden ten miles down a pavement road that I wasn't supposed to be on. Um, and so I had to flip it around and ride ten miles back up Iron Mountain Road to get to the turn to Playhouse Gulch yeah. or the Playhouse Cut Off. Uh, and get back on track. And so all time, you know, end to end, that was an hour and 10 minutes of my life that I didn't need to spend right there. Um, <laughs> no. You know, it was yeah. fine. I had water. The weather was beautiful, all of that. Uh, but then uh, when I got to the to the gas station where I was refilling, uh, one of the other competitors came up. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to see anyone, but, of course, wasn't surprised after my detour. Yeah. Um, and so then we rode together uh, past Formosa, uh and uh we ended up drifting apart and so i popped off into the into the trees um when when he was oh, just far enough to not see me um and then uh and then set up camp in a in a shelter belt uh near a ranch out there easter hermosa
0: so so what did you get like 100
1: so that years? was no, that was uh, I think all up it was a uh, hundred and seven. was a mile marker one sixty five or something okay. of the race. It's a
0: little, you know, yeah, a little farther.
1: A little farther. You know, my uh, my miles were a little more than that because it yeah. was uh, for my ten mile detour. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, and then I knew he was nearby. Uh, I slept for maybe an hour, and then I heard some other bikes riding by. I thought, well, that was interesting, and and so I ended up uh, sleeping about three hours that first night. Um, and then uh, got up and going, and I, I really wanted to get going you know, well before sunup because I wasn't sure exactly how hot it was going to get, but was was ready for the badlands to be hot. Um, and so uh, rolled through there, found the other Burke, uh, the the other competitor that I, I bumped into the night before. Um, had to navigate past through a, a little buffalo and got to wall. Uh, unfortunately, got there a little too early to get a donut, um, so I was a little disappointed by that. Um, but then, uh, the goal became, you know, I was at wall at like eight in the morning, uh, and I forget the mileage to, to peer, you know, 140 miles or something. Uh, and it was like, all right, I want to get to pier uh, in time to, to get onto the, into the raft. Uh, cause, the the trans South Dakota has a rafting section, um, down the Missouri river. Uh, and you have to do that in daylight. And so, if i got there too late to do it on on the end of day 2 uh, then there's most likely m- many people from behind me that were going to arrive overnight and we'd all be stacked up to to do our rafting in the morning yeah. uh and as it stood like if i could get there by you know 6 or 7 at night i'd have enough daylight to get the uh, get, uh, to raft across um and so I, I kind of that was kind of the goal and that really kept me going through day 2 uh, and I got there in time and uh, got loaded up on the raft, uh, got a, paddled paddle down the Missouri. It's kind of relaxing. It takes about an hour and a half. You could paddle really hard, and it wouldn't, take, wouldn't be that much faster. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, the, the nice thing is you, you end up in uh, uh, downtown Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, and so I went from there and uh, went to Walgreens, stacked up on food and supplies for the next day. Uh, and then a block later just, uh, went to the super eight motel. Uh, and that's where kind of the, the end game was kind of feeling like it was going to come together if it worked well. Um, you know, hotel time. So it was like a good reset. I uh, tried to not waste too much time there, but uh, got a solid six hours sleep in a proper bed, um, and got up and got rolling. Uh, you know, it was actually a little bit late in the day. I was leaving at, at about 6am. Um, And then I kind of knew, like, if this worked out well, I had never done a 24-hour bike effort. But I thought, like, this, you know, you're about 350 miles from the finish. Like, if this works out well, I'd like to push it all the way through to the end. Um, And, of course, if I need to stop and sleep, I can stop and sleep. That's fine. Um, But because I have that good six-hour sleep and the the big proper reset and, you know, a good meal and everything – Um, you know, when I left in the, in the morning, I had, I wasn't fully committed, but I was wondering, like, I, you know, can I make it to the finish all in one shot?
0: That's a, that's a good lofty goal, but I mean, I, your, your head is telling you you should do that. How's what's the body saying?
1: Um, the body was just fine with it. Uh, you know, at least it was originally. Um I, I must say that, that, you know, again, the the distances, and this is, the, you know, the first time taking such a, 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 you know, trying to do such a long effort. But, you know, the, it was a little bit of headwind, a um, little rolly, uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, 90 miles in or something, and, you know, had been out there for eight hours, which like, that's a solid big day, you know, already for just any day on a bike. Uh, and I was flicking through my Garmin, and it's like, yeah, I've got 270 miles to go. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, and so you very quickly just like decide not to think about that. Yeah. Um, and of course, all you know, with with any sort of racing, if you think about the whole thing in one shot, it's like more than what you can comprehend. Same as an Ironman, same as anything else. Uh, so it's always broken up into micro goals. And so, you know, step one was to get to to Wessington Springs um and then uh you know then it's a kind of a short 50 miles you know effort to get to mitchell uh and uh, so got to westington springs weather was okay got to mitchell um was still doing okay it was getting to be dark uh legs were still working but you know was able to find good food the you know i was eating well the water was fine um so so that was good uh and then from mitchell to beersford is is pretty much flat like it's one of these kind of uh, you know, you, you stop doing this roly-poly stuff, uh, and it's and it's really just a, a you know super flat area. Um, and so heading off into the dark, I was able to kind of keep the pace uh, going pretty nicely. Um, but when 10, you know, 10 p.m. turns into midnight, turns into one. By about two, like I, I was, you know, losing motivation, uh, and uh, rolled into uh, Menno, South Dakota. Uh, and thought, like, I, I need to – I was trying still not to, like, do a full three-hour sleep, um, but I thought, like, I, if I can find a good place to do a 20-minute nap, like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the post office downtown, Meadow, South Dakota, the lights were on, and I pulled on the door, and it opened right up to, <laughs> to you know, where all the, uh, um, the P.O. boxes are. Yeah. Uh, so I rolled me and my bike in there a little bit out of sight, Uh, and then just lied down, set the timer, and and took a a 20-minute power nap. Um, Woke up, felt a little bit better, not super fresh, but uh, was able to get out, get rolling again. Got in another hour, and then I really started to kind of fade. Um, You know, in my uh, power meter world, you're always kind of thinking about wattages. And for the first couple days, I didn't really look at the power meter. Um, But the overnight session, you start to kind of lose you know, um, you know. One, it's dark, and I didn't see anyone from Mitchell all the way to Menno, South Dakota. Like, no cars, no people, no nothing. Wow. Uh, and so I put the, you know, put my headphones in and started listening to music a little bit, uh, and then just switched to the power meter and just trying to kind of keep this 160, 180 watts, which is normally just recovery pace, uh, but here like that was that was the pace. Um, and then um, in that kind of three, four a.m. range. You know, I was I couldn't do that anymore. Um, and uh, I just sat up out of the aero bars and, and just started pedaling at, like, kind of 80 or 100 watts. Uh, and because the night was so still, um, you know, like, when you stop, I mean, it was just dead still. It was just nothing moving. The mosquitoes would take about 23 seconds before they were swarming around you. So you kind of wanted to keep moving. Um, but, uh, you know, I wasn't wearing a vest, wasn't wearing sleeves. My legs were working my, my undercarriage was still okay, and 80 or 100 watts was getting me 10 or 11 miles an hour on those flat roads. And it was like, you know what, just keep rolling this and just get till, till daybreak. Um, of course, it was overcast when the sun came up, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, and I got into Viberg, South Dakota, and I was fading pretty hard then. So I, I actually laid down for about 45 minutes in a, in a, in a, in a park. And that was the good sleep. Um, you know, I set my alarm for an hour and a half, but after 45 minutes, like, I kind of woke up in a start. And it's one of those things, like, your body's awake, your eyes are up. And and I just got right up, and then I felt properly awake the rest of the day. Um, and, uh, of course, from Vyberg, 10 miles to Beersford, that's all flat. And then Beersford into the finish line is about, you know, 55, 60 miles uh, in its work again, uh, you know, Joe Stiller, the race director, starts sending in some weird places. You know, you're you're, you're looking at your Garmin and, and mapping and it's like, oh, this is four miles and then a left turn. And after three miles, you're at the end of the road. And you're like, oh, this fourth <laughs> mile is going to take a little while. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you go bushwhacking through the ups and downs or you, know, you you make, you know, a turn onto a road that's not really a road anymore. Uh, and so there's a few of those, but thankfully it was it was pretty uh, uh, pretty manageable. Um, and then just up and down quite a bit. And because it was dry, uh, it moved around just fine. Uh, and in fact, the the hardest part of that that last that last stint into the finish was not the unmaintained roads; those were okay. But the maintained roads, that actually got like a fresh load of gravel on them. Oh, and so some course. of them, you're just like slip sliding and starting to sink in. And so you're like finding that little bit of hard ground right on the edge of where the weeds are starting to grow onto the road, mm-hmm. uh, right in there and just kind of crossing your fingers that you don't, you know, chuck into a hole or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, that last 60 miles was, you know, you, you know the better part of five or six hours, um, which that's the way it goes. I have yeah. the water, have the food, you make it happen. So Yeah,
0: you're, you're, you're getting there. You just, yeah, it's just like, you, you but you're ready to be done pretty much
1: ready to be done but i you know certainly like the dark place you know like all the adventure racers know and i've never done an adventure race but i can i can imagine and project but it, it, you know it, it's that middle of the night um where your your body's just the circadian rhythms telling you to lie down and sleep
0: yeah.
1: um but once you're off that and into the next day like it was I was totally operational and then then you just you're just in the mode it's like all right do this they'll do that and you just keep plugging away and watch the mileage count down and and do your thing, you know, and it, it's, at some point that was kind of, a, that was the hottest day out there. Um, you know, it was, it was in the 80, you know, 85, 90. Uh, so there are times, sometimes where I was, I was sweating pretty good. Um, but again, like managing the water and just keeping an eye on it. You know, I knew I, I had enough water to get me to the finish. And so you just do your thing and, and keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. Well, Hey, it's only, it's only three days. How hard can it be?
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so was it as hard or harder or I mean how did it compare to you know what you thought before you started
1: I it actually matched up pretty well like Mm -hmm. it was it it, it lined up pretty well um in 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 a lot of ways easier because it was three days six hours and not four days and whatever Mm -hmm. um but uh you know I I I also well aware that I I was super lucky on the weather Mm -hmm. um and uh, and that lined up, and that kept me rolling, and so that, that just kept the you know the days, uh you know the days out you know being less. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know the refill points were pretty clear, uh, and so when you when you refuel and stock up, it was pretty easy to, to keep uh, keep on top of the fueling, um, and that, that was also real nice. Sometimes there were some big long stretches, um you know hundred miles or hundred one miles between. Water stops, uh, so that required you know the 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 for, you know the knowledge and the and the planning for it, um, but uh, you know I never got behind on anything, and that really that really kept it in a in a pretty manageable place for me. Um, it was really just that push overnight uh, was, that was the hard part.
0: Yeah, so um, so other than the you know the the ten mile mistake was you, was the nav on.
1: Dude. Yeah, that that was it, that, and 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 honest, and honestly, like that was that was completely self inflicted.
0: Yeah,
1: total bonehead, you know. And it was because I had looked at the race course and scanned through, and like, oh, we're doing this and that and that and that and that. Mm-hmm. And so I was operating for, like I was going to ride to Hermosa, just as a ride that I had chosen to go out and do by myself because yeah. all those roads, you know, every road I had been on before. Yeah. And I flat did not look close enough at the last part going into Hermosa, mm-hmm. and so it had never, it had never entered my mind the actual road that we were going to be on, and so I was just pure autopilot. And yeah. even that, like, you know, you know, the part of, I saw a presentation once by uh, Mark Allen who won Ironman eight or six times. Um, it was long ago, and it, it kind of informed a, a lot of the racing. And one of his things is like. When you're out on the race, don't judge. Don't judge anything. Like, you get a flat tire. It's not good. It's not bad. It's a tire. It's flat. You need to change it. You need to get it pumped up again. That's it. Like, you can go back and judge and, and, you know, analyze things later. But in the moment, it's like you solve the problem that's in front of you, and you keep thinking, and you figure out how to solve for it. Um, And uh, so, you know, when I realized that I was off course, it's like, okay, and then you flip around and do it. Of course... You know, I wasn't totally kicking myself, but I was very, very thankful that I had actually been observant enough to know that I had um, yeah. missed the course while I was on it. Because yeah. it could have been pretty easy for me to ride all the way to Hermosa on and out into the Badlands and then realize it.
0: Then um, it was, yeah,
1: and, and then it's lost, because I don't think I probably would have gone back to rejoin the course at the right spot. I probably just would have let the DQ happen and then finish out the race for experience. Um, and then had to come back and do it again another year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad that I figured it out in the moment.
0: Yeah, now you don't have to do it again.
1: <laughs> no, I don't have to do it again.
0: So well, that brings me to my next question. So, so how many people have asked you, oh, "Are you going to do the 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 divide next?"
1: You know, I I had seen the divide. It was always seen kind of silly and dumb, and it had never really like entered my head to go do that but you asking right there is about six people that have asked yes. me now <laughs> and it's, you know, it's def it's on the list now. It won't be next year. Um, but I, uh, I'd like to get some more experience, maybe do some, some things that are a little longer, um, do some stuff with some, a little more weather, uh, you know, and kind of build that together. I, I don't know exactly what my, my, uh, you know, bike packing, you know, ultra distance cycling career is going to be. I, uh, you know, we don't have to decide now. We can figure it out as we go. I definitely yeah. like doing new stuff. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll repeat one of these race courses someday. Um, or maybe the fun thing would be to just pick a different one every time uh, and uh, and just do different stuff. Uh, so maybe the divide will only be a, a one and done. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd like I, it's on the list now. Uh, but I want to kind of gather a little more experience before I tackle that one.
0: So, yeah I, that it seems like it's a really hard race, not to know anything. But it but but it also seems like maybe two times because you, you yeah. do it once to, for the experience and then wants to go fast. But uh, yep. yep. What do I know? I haven't been on a bike in ten years.
1: <laughs> yeah, but no, I, that's that's the approach I've taken actually with a lot of the mountain bike races that I do out of you know out of area um, is uh, you know and you maybe try to go to fast the first year. But know that it's going to be a learning experience, yeah. um, and then uh, and then go back and kind of give it the beans the next year. We definitely, you know, kind of did that with the with the Leadville, uh, you know, racing, and then. Yeah. Uh, but once you've done it a few times, it's like, you know, there's more bike races in the world and more stuff to do, so yeah. might as well switch it up.
0: Yeah. So, do you want my uh, esoteric Leadville fact? Sure. The The first year Paulette and I did it, there were 67 riders
1: wow there we go
0: (laughs) so um all right so let's let's wrap this up i just kind of got maybe one more question that you probably can't answer but got any secret tech you're working on
1: oh i i can i can answer that really easily answer is yes we're always working on secret tech (laughs)
0: um
1: but uh what they are no Uh, that's that's certainly the uh the the fun part um you know, for for all the cycling and the much as I enjoy that, my my actual aptitude is is building stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm pretty lucky with my with my role with uh, SRAM now. Uh, you know, we're always working on the, the the new things, and and that's that's really what I spend my time doing is is figuring out what's next for bicycle technology and uh, what we need to do. And certainly, when you're out on the races and and using using the bike the whole time, you you come up with you know lots of thoughts
0: so yeah. that I was gonna say did you come up with with a great idea during the trans south Dakota?
1: you know it's it's uh it's not real exciting, but uh, i I certainly will be attaching my my front roll sleeping pack uh differently next time uh and have some ideas uh, uh, about that um but uh yeah other other than that there you'll you'll have to wait a couple of years to see what else I came up with
0: okay, so. All right. So, um, will I, will I be seeing you in about a month up at the five Oh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If it's on, I'm going to be there. So
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm home. I I seem to be home about once every three or four years for it. So I think I I will be here. So I will be there. Very good. I will wave as you go flying by.
1: Absolutely. I'll try to wave back. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, thanks very much. And, uh, well, I can still go for a hike. Do you still got to go out yet tonight or you get your, your training done for the day?
1: I, I did my ride. I This was a, actually today was the first ride back. I, I took a full week and a couple of days off and my legs were flat. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're starting back up again.
0: All right. Cool. Well, thanks again for the chat.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye-bye. <laughs>